0: Hello and welcome back to the TTPA, tatani Talks Pirkei Avos, the shir where we talk a Mishnah of Pirkei Avos per day with sagely commentary and practical advice to say. We are in Chapter 1, Paragraph 8, Parak Aleph and Mishnah Chet. Here in Season 6, using the Mishnah elucidated from the Shot Scene edition, a phrase-by-phrase simplified translation with basic commentary, nothing simple, nothing basic about it. From the Book Family Edition of Seder Nazik here in Maseches Avos and Avos, obviously... We're not going to be able to do Monday or Tuesday. It's the Rosh Hashanah holiday coming up, so we're going to miss a couple of days next week. But whatever we get, we get. God willing, we will continue when we can. So Yehuda ben Tabai v'Shimon meshetach, kiblu mehem. Yehuda ben Tabai, Omer al ta'ask ke orchay hadayonim. Ukeshe Yehiu ba'alei dinim omdim lefanecha Yehiu be'enecha kerishaim. Ukeshe niftarim lefanecha Yehiu be'enecha kazakim. Ukeshe kiblu alehim es hadin. So let's go to each phrase. First, we read the Hebrew, and then we look at the English. Yehuda ben Tabai and Shimon ben Shetach received the Torah from them. Yehuda ben Tabai says, "Do not make yourself to be like those who arrange cases before the judges." That is the notes point out, like those who professionally advise people what to say in court in order to win their cases. Now it goes without saying that you should not teach a person to make false claims in order to win. Yehuda ben Tabai is teaching that you should not do. You should not do this even if you know that the defendant is innocent and being ju- unjustly sued, as Robin Rambam commentary points out. This is because people will suspect you of coaching him to lie, as Rabeni Yona points out, or because others will learn from your advice how to lie in the future, as Ma'iri points out. Rather, let him present his case in his own words. There's a the question whether this injunction was said only to judges or even ordinary people. Tosas Yom Tuv and Moshe talks it out as well. The Mishnah continues, if you are a judge, when the litigants stand before you to present their claims and arguments, they should both seem to you like guilty people, even if you know one of them to be a highly respected person. As the notes point out, in order to be as fair as possible, you should assume that both parties might not be telling the truth, even if you know one of them is a respected person who would never lie in court. This mindset will force you to question both parties carefully in order to determine whose claim is really valid, as Ralph points out. And, the Mishnah continues, But when they leave your presence after you have made your ruling, they should both be considered by you to be innocent people. As the notes point out, as the verdict has been issued, after it's issued, you should treat both parties, even the one whose claims were denied in court, as completely righteous. It is tempting to think that the one who lost the case is nothing more than a liar and a thief who tried to take money from his fellow dishonestly. Do not think of him this way. Rather, consider him an honest person who felt he had a valid claim, but was simply mistaken, as Rav points out and consider them both innocent once they have accepted the judgment upon themselves. When the losing party accepts the court's decision without complaint, it proves that he had been honest all along. And now that he sees that his claims have no legal basis, he finds no reason to argue them, Erie points out. Even if it is shown that he did lie in court, we should see his acceptance of the judgment upon himself as proof that he sincerely regrets what he did and will not repeat the sin, as Rebbeinu Yonah points out. Now, it might be hard to see how to apply this practically to our own lives, but very often, this really does come to, to to fruition. This really comes to play, especially if you're a teacher, or you're dealing with cousins, or nieces, or nephews, or children, or if you have your own children in general. Oftentimes, many times, every five minutes, my kids will be fighting, and yelling, and screaming, and arguing, You know, we have a 7-year-old in second grade, a 5-year-old in kindergarten, a 3-year-old in daycare and the baby baby. And oftentimes, the older three kids will be arguing and fighting and, and going back and forth between one another. And they come both to me and they're yelling, this one did this, this one did that. How do I know? Who is telling the truth? How do I know who is really the zakai and who really is not the zakutin? So who is really the one that's really correct? So we'll try to sit them down and try to get them to calm down, especially because these kids at these ages get very agitated. I never did anything. I didn't touch her. I didn't push her. I didn't hit her. This one's yelling. This one's screaming. This one's arguing. When they come before you, how could it be that we look at the situation and try to find out how to see who's innocent and who's not. So when it comes to our own lives, what we have to do is try to analyze the case, try to see if there's any evidence, try to be a little bit of a detective to see what's going on. You see that your your daughter has paint on her shirt, and you see that your son has paint on his fingers. You do deduction or inference, and you see 2 plus 2 is 4. She has paint on her shirt. He has paint on his fingers. I know who the culprit was over here. He touched her shirt. Whether it was an accident or not is another thing, but we look at the the. the the acts of the case and we look at the facts of the case and we look at the different elements it happens all times in our lives. Two co-workers are arguing, two co-workers are fighting we don't know who's correct, we have to try to analyze the case, try to analyze the facts and see before we accuse anyone, try to see if we can get benefit of the doubt. I often say the only type of judging we should do in general is to be John done, to judge favorably, to find the benefit of the doubt. But you'll see this often. So the mission advises us, when they come before you, try to see what you can from the case. Try not to accuse anyone right away, try to take it all in and when they leave the case and you resolve whatever happened, think about them both as innocent taking upon whatever happened especially if a kid needs to be punished a kid needs to be told it was not right, it wasn't good, he didn't do the right thing, even after they go away, still show them the love Show them you care about, it. and later on you could talk to them when they're calm, still give them hugs, still give them the affection and adoration they need as your children, and even if it happens to your students or friends or people in general in life, maybe this could be a way we could look at how to dissolve arguments and dissolve disagreements, especially when they come to you, or you hear about it, or you're involved in some manner or some way throughout your days. Join us next time as we talk about really, really questioning the witnesses, just like talking about And today's mission of going a little farther here on the TTPA. And I'm your host, Tani.